Welcome back, my friends, to the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I am your host, Wilk of Wilksworld.com, and I am so incredibly grateful that you are taking the time to join me for another powerful DTH episode. Friends, at the D-Rate the Hate podcast, it's all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. See, we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. That all starts with gratitude and personal accountability. We cannot control everything that happens to us in life, but we can control how we react to it. How we act, how we react, no matter what happens to us, how we react to it makes the difference. Friends, there is only one good thing about a bad attitude, and that is that we have the ability as individuals to change it. Here on the DTH Podcast, we strive to bring you great guests and provide tools to do just that. Please be sure to share it with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't done so. Ratings and feedback are always greatly appreciated. And with that, let's get to this week's episode. For those of you not familiar with my friend Muhammad Ahmed, Average Muhammad, you really should be. For the regular DTH listeners or the long-term DTH listeners, you will probably remember I had Muhammad on the podcast for the first time way back in episode 49, talking about battling extremism with an alternative narrative. Muhammad joined me again in episode 71, where we were talking about Islamic extremism 20 years later, talking about the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Now, friends, there are very few out there working as hard as average Muhammad when it comes to battling extremism, battling hate of all kinds. So join us for another great DTH conversation where my friend Average Muhammad joins me again to talk about his book, Average Muhammad, Freedom Fighter, talking about his past. How did he end up in the United States? How is it that he loves the United States more than any other place on earth, most specifically the state that he lives in, Minnesota? You're not going to want to miss this conversation, friends, and check out that book, Average Muhammad, Freedom Fighter. You can find it everywhere. Easiest way to find it is going to be to check out the show notes, for this episode at deratethehate.com. So with that, let's go. Muhammad Ahmed, my friend, average Muhammad, how are you, brother? It's been way too long since I've had you on the Derate the Hate podcast. Well, thank you for welcoming back again, Wilkes. Yeah, man, it's it's good to see you. I, I know uh, we were supposed to have this conversation last week. Uh, but you've had the unser- unfortunate circumstances of being in a car accident, so you're a little bunged up right now. Certainly, my well wishes went out to you then. My well wishes go out to you now in your sling and 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 in the pain that you're in. So thank you for taking the time today. It's, it's really good to see you. What's it been? I think it's been, let's see, you were on the last time you were on the D-Rate the Hate podcast, I think it was episode 71, so... Probably a year and a half, a year and a half ago, something like that. So, yeah, it's been way too long, man. It's been way too long. So tonight we are talking about your book, Average Muhammad, Freedom Fighter. So the book came out as of the date of this recording. The book came out this week and uh, so excited. I've started reading it. So why don't you tell me, uh, first of all, I I know the, the regular DTH listeners know who Average Muhammad is. Why don't you tell the DTH listeners that are that are new that haven't been haven't been familiar with you, who's average Muhammad? Well, average Muhammad is a nobody. I'm um, just a, an average citizen. 
who doesn't claim to be anything but a blue-collar worker, proud American. And uh, he is our attempt at dealing with global issues, issues which are global in nature, but the solutions are micro and local in nature. And uh, this was my attempt as an average citizen to try attempt to deal with these issues, issues ranging from sexuality, religious extremism, ideological extremism, promotion of democracy against hate, whether it's anti-Semitism, racism, Islamophobia, anti-Christianity, anti-LGBTQI, and even uh, 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 other issues that concern hate, uh, anti-Asian. So this was an attempt by an average citizen to try attempt deal with these global issues on a personal level, which ended up being a global level. Yeah, no, without a doubt, you're doing great work. I mean, that's that's why you and I have had all the conversations that we've had, and and just just being. I know you you talk about being a global activist because these are global issues, right? They aren't just they aren't just defined here to to Minnesota where you and I live. Uh, they aren't just defined and confined to to the borders of the United States. These are global issues, and, and you you do this in a way. That really the outreach that you have, I know you, you do a lot of work with kids and schools and, and, and other groups. And it, it's, it's nothing short of incredible. The, the, the kind of things and the kind of messages that you put out. I've always, I've always really appreciated it. I know, I know you've done a lot of work with, with illustrations and cartoons and videos online, which I, which I always appreciate when I, when I've, you know, seen those. And then now you've got this book. This book came out this week, and and uh, thank you for the advanced copy. It was awesome, and and like I said, I, I've I've only recently started going through it, but you really kind of open yourself up there. You tell your story. You, you you really open yourself up with some vulnerability, talking about the who, what, when, where, and why, how you got started, uh, basically as a refugee from you know uh, from Africa, and and then and then coming over here in the nineties. So. Um, let's start a little bit with that story and, and how you ended up in Minnesota and why it's why. I mean, I know you are absolutely in love with the state of Minnesota. So, well, you're in love with this, the United States, but more specifically, the uh, the state of Minnesota. So tell me a little bit about that, Mohammed. Well, Minnesota is the greatest state in the United States of America, bar none. And that I am very, very biased in explaining that. And I explain <laughs> why. You know, most people look at Minnesota and they think, oh, that's the frigid north. Well, the good news is what Prince told us, the musician, uh, the cold keeps out the bad people out. Uh, so, <laughs> we tell, so we tell ourselves that <laughs> here in Minnesota. But here in Minnesota, you will find the the people who we found here, the Ojibwe, the Lakota, the Dakota, uh, the Midwakatan, Siskaton people, they're native Indians. And then uh, we found the Norwegians, the Swedes, the Finns, the Sabians. Uh, uh, the people who settled here, and then the Irish who came, the African-American, and then also in the 70s and 90s, the Cambodians, the Vietnamese, uh, the Hmong community uh, who came to our, to Minnesota, settled here. And then you can add in the 90s, the Somalis came here. Uh, same way uh, every other community came to America, basically with an, as an immigrant with a dream. And uh, Minnesota is one of those rare places on earth where actually dreams materialize and people prosper and communities grow, grow in civility because of the uh, accord or understanding of civility 
and understanding of communal communal responsibilities here among Minnesotans. And uh, you add the Jewish community, the Christian community, and the fabrics of other communities and religious communities, the Muslim community, and we have an alliance of sorts, uh, a loose-led alliance, which is not centralized, but more or less committed, committed to equality, committed to justice, committed to uh, a good life. Minnesota is known as the land of the 10,000 lakes, if you look at our tags, and that's the tagline of the state. But the true tagline of Minnesota is, Minnesota is nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I learned here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I just recently had another uh, uh, conversation with with another gentleman, very similar story to yours. Actually, I brought you up in in my conversation with him, but but he came here in the late 90s as a refugee as well. And, uh, you know, he, he tried a few different places in the States. One of them, he was in Dallas for a while and, and then, uh, eventually came to Minnesota. And, and one of the things that he said was, he said, minus the weather, I can do everything here that I did back in Africa, you know, where I'm from. I can get the same food. I can go to the same cultural events. I can do run around in, in the same circles. And, and, and this feels minus the cold weather. This feels like home. This is home. This is where he's made his home. And, and, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, there, there is a lot to be said for that. The fact that, uh, the fact that, that so many refugees have, have been able to come here and, and find that comfort, find that civility, find that unity, uh, that, that they, that they longed for and, and do it in a, in a place where they can feel safe, unlike, you know, unlike, where they where they ended up coming from well the way you look at it um minnesota is a welcoming community it's the people who make it welcoming mm-hmm. and uh today as we speak it is the ukrainians and afghanistanis who are coming to minnesota mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know uh based on yep. world events and um you'll find these same communities that welcomed us as the ones who are welcoming them. The Catholic Charities, the Jewish uh, aid organizations, the Protestant Lutheran social services, uh, and uh, and also the county and the state services. And um, it is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is no, it, pretty, pretty impressive. It's not, it's not many places in the world that can say that, but Minnesota can claim that mantle. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you think about it, Mohammed, and... and a lot of these uh, religious organizations, like you talked about, Catholic charities and and the uh, the Jewish community and stuff like that, those are some of the the, the biggest uh, advocates and, and biggest welcoming parties uh, for all the refugees. But they they really get a they get a bad rap in 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 certain circles, and and I hate to see that. It's it's a it's a real bummer that uh, that they do because because you know without without those those volunteer organizations without the the people that have volunteered their time and their money and, and everything else, um, a lot of that stuff wouldn't be happening, right? Well, they give up their time, their energy, their resources, and input. They teach them how to use a bus, for God's sakes, and mm-hmm. then how to get the kids to school and how to find housing. Uh, people are coming from the British system who drive on the right side of the road are being taught how to drive on the left side of the road. The basics, the Mormons do that, the Lutherans do that, everyone else out here who's a religious organization does that, and then the civic organizations do that. And the reason why is because they want to create a better citizen. Yeah, no, and, and that's what it's all about, right? If we all, if if people would just get get uh, get it out of their mind that, that we can't just because we have our differences, 
we can't get along and and just because your culture is different than mine we can't get along people have to get beyond that they they have to realize that that there's this there's this commonality this common humanity that we all have and and without recognizing that we're missing out on a lot there's a phenomenon that said basically in the 19th century that America was the melting pot. And mm-hmm. uh, the melting pot does not happen unless we melt with, melt with each other. Right. That, that starts with basics, learning how to speak English, learning how to find schools to teach adult education, learning how to get a new skill set, learning how to get a new job, learning the language, learning the culture, learning the aspects of civic education. Uh, women legal voters register with people directly into voting uh, for elections. I mean, it's, 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 it's a whole 360-degree effort by a lot of people and a lot of organizations who go unsaid. And that's what yeah. makes Minnesota one of the greatest states in America. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all about that assimilation, right? I, I mean, the, the thing is, is, is those that try to keep us in different boxes don't want that assimilation. They, they want to keep us divided for whether it be for power or whether it be for monetary gain or whether, whatever it is. But, but, but they think somehow that, that if they keep us in separate boxes, keep us divided, that, that, that it, I don't know. I, I still haven't figured out what possesses people to do that. But that assimilation that you talked about there, it's so important. Getting educated, learning the new skills, doing the different things. So, no, it's incredible. Uh, and, and and I'm so glad that you're here because, you know, the friendship that you and I have built is 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 certainly dear to me. And and I appreciate it. And, and then so let's get back to the book, uh, Muhammad. Let's talk about this a little bit. And when I talked about it right at the beginning of our conversation, I said, I said, you put out some, some real vulnerability here. And, and, uh, you, you know, you talked about how, you know, you were doing some partying when you first got to the States and, and then, uh, you know, you, you kind of turned, turned things around and, and, and ultimately ended up here in Minnesota. But then you talk about a story that a lot of people, I think, think about. When, when they think of, especially because here in Minnesota, it, it, there was, there was a number of cases like this. And this is, this is one of the things that I want you to tell me about a little bit. You talked about your niece in the book, Muhammad, and how she, uh, she had stolen a passport. She had somehow become radicalized. She had stolen a passport. She, she, she traveled through a few different countries to eventually get over. And then she joined up with, uh, with, was it ISIS or Al Shabaab? I can't, ISIS. So, uh, which is a very scary thing. I, I mean, that's a very, very scary thing for, uh, you know, for a lot of Americans to think about. And, and it's, it's something that happened w- with a number of, of young people in, in the state of Minnesota that became radicalized online. And they ended up going back overseas and and joining up with that that cause and and it's really an evil cause. So talk a little bit about that uh, for me, Muhammad, because I know that's that's one of the first things that you talk about in the book. I know how much it pains you to 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 say it and 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 see it and and know it, but uh, but but share that with us. Well, this was my niece, and uh, what happened is that I came to learn about it after the aftermath. And the aftermath was when I sat down with my cousin and I said, cousin, how could this happen? Explain to me how your child goes from living in this great democracy where we have access to healthcare, education, opportunity, and even uh, the right to choose our leaders to go join with a death cult like ISIS or Al-Qaeda. 
ISIS in this particular session in Syria and Iraq. And, and she said, what is social media? Now, that threw me off for a loop because she said, look, my, my daughter was like any other kid in America. Uh, she was a good kid, no gangs, no gang affiliation, no bad habits. And she, if you know anything about the first generation, we don't know much about the system in America, but the second generation, the one that we raised in America, understand the system better. And it works the same way for every immigrant community. The kids who speak English, who grew up in the system, know the system better than the parents do. Yeah, yeah. So they helped. This, this was a girl who was actually helping her mother raise her siblings. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she just upped packed her bags and left to go to Raqqa, Iraq, and Syria. Now, this shocked me. This shocked me because I I didn't know what, what, what we could do in terms of uh, as a community because the government was saying, look, uh, we need help here. We don't understand it either. And uh, we tried to understand it ourselves. So I did some research. And one of the things I found research about is one of the things I came across was the playbook for ISIS. In the, the ISIS process. playbook. Yeah. And apparently, this girl was offered uh, a love relationship. Okay. You know, somebody offered her a love relationship and matrimonial uh, happiness. And others were offered adventure. Others were offered money. For people, it's unemployment. Basically, you get a car, you get a house, uh, you get a sex slave. Uh, I mean, this was, they were using everything in the books as a salespeople to try to get our kids and our youth to come to Iraq and Syria, to go kill Iraqis and Syrians and our soldiers, our American soldiers, and also the Jews, the Christians, the Yazidi community in genocide, and, and moderate Muslims. But what they didn't tell you is the death cult, that you have to kill, you have to murder, you have to loot, you have to behead, you have to chop off hands to get all this stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just evil. I mean, it's it's pure evil. You know, and they they go after. I mean, obviously, they're going after the the young and impressionable minds. They're they're telling lies. They're they're um, they're doing all these things to to try and lure these these kids in, and and then uh, yeah, it's it's such a terrible thing. So so what um, what ultimately ended up happening with with your niece then? Uh, well, we don't know yet. In terms of, uh, we're still trying to find out as much information as we can. And I haven't reached out to my cousin yet. Uh, but we still don't know. Uh, we don't know whether she's coming back, whether she's in Syria, uh, whether she's going to a third country. Uh, they're keeping that very close to their chest. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't probe a lot. And the reason why is because it's a national security issue. Sure. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a reason why someone gets investigated or someone gets looked into. But this is, this is a foregone solution. My solution was, how do we stop other kids from joining this particular process? Right, right. You know, and I, and you and I have talked a lot about that, about, uh, you know, about the Kawaji and, and Al Shabaab and ISIS and, and, and how these, these different organizations have recruited youngsters and 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 brought them brought them over there and and like i said all based on lies and it, it's it's such a tragedy because uh, i mean I, I know there's there's so many good folks over here just trying to live a better life give a better life to their kids and then uh and and then this kind of uh, uh this kind of evil takes hold it, it gets in it 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 uh it gets in it gets hold of their soul and then takes them away from their family and and it's it's just got to be it's got to be devastating for for the parents and the for and the, you know the extended family like yourself and then the whole community because 
as we know, I mean, as we've seen, Muhammad, uh, this kind of thing, that kind of thing doesn't just put a stain on that particular person. It doesn't just put a stain on that family. It puts a stain on the whole community. It puts a stain on the whole effort, right? Well, we all get labeled. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, uh, people judge. And uh, when my community here in Minnesota is the most prolific community in 2014, 2015, 2016, producing the most jihadis in America, the most violent jihadis in America, people take notice. Yeah. Yeah, of course they take notice. I mean, because it scares the hell out of people, right? I, I mean, especially the community that got invited to come live among the American people, the freest people in the world. Right. We'll start questioning, uh, did we do the right thing? Are we at that time, uh, at that time frame? I mean, the media was talking about a fifth column, talking about people who are Muslims who are about to invade America uh, and, and, and act out in terrorism. I mean, the media hyperboled it. The politicians hyperboled it. Our government, because we were budget, power, and control, hyperboled it. And uh, our community took the brunt of it. Now, we were getting it from both sides. We were getting it from the uh, national security side, and we were getting it from the uh, uh, the other side, which is basically uh, the recruitment side by the by these death cults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were stuck in the middle. So I created Average Muhammad. And the main reason yeah. why we, we created Average Muhammad is to thread the needle on this. And right. uh, to try stop the recruitment process and help our national security effort. Right, the counter ideology, and, and that's and that and that's what we've talked about before. And I want you to bring that up again because that I mean we already know that the that the death cult propaganda, the, the lies that that the uh, that the people like ISIS and Al Shabaab, those lies, uh, the, the 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 death cult propaganda is effective. We know that mm-hmm. uh, it's it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Um, and, and to ignore that truth is is. It's it's a futile effort. Ignoring it's not going to work. But you've come up with a solution, and that's that counter ideology. So talk about that counter ideology, Muhammad. Let's take for example, how does ISIS, Al Qaeda, Al Shabaab, and others recruit within our community? Well, it's simple. They appropriated Islamic terminology and Islamic religion. Let's not let's be very clear on that. Uh, for example, the word jihad. Now they call the effort a jihad. Jihad means struggle. Now, struggle means in Islam under two auspices. The first one is the greater jihad, which is the greatest jihad one can do. And that's between the soul, our own soul, and uh, also our, our our good deeds and our bad deeds. Now, that's the, that's the greatest jihad. The lesser jihad is the violent jihad. And even that has criteria. That has regulations and rules. Now, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and Al-Shabaab, they don't follow these rules. And we can call them out on that. And yeah. that's the kind of ideology we can do as Muslims in this effort. And we can call it out in a way that basically the clergy, which was afraid at that particular moment, but now coming out in full force across the world because they're tired of it, too, you know. And uh, and uh, we're trying to do it using popular culture means. Now, second thing is the, the concept of mujahid, basically the concept of heaven, heaven at the end of this process. Go strap yourself to a bomb, blow yourself up, kill 30, 40 people, and guess what? Voila, you're going to heaven. 72 virgins waiting for you. And it's usually mostly male who do this. And uh, the goal is to say, look, there is no heaven at the end of this process. You're going to hell. 
You're going to hell not because I'm telling you, but because your values, your religion is telling you this. And we can make that counter ideology. Mm-hmm. So the third part is the concept of revolutionary ideals. Here in the West and across the world, we believers in democracy and republic have stopped being revolutionary. We become complacent. We become a society of what about them? You know, yeah. what about them? You know, what yep. about trying to understand their values? What about trying to understand their feelings? What about trying to understand where they're coming from? That is all BS. Right, right. Well, there's no what about is in here. It's about what is right and what is wrong. We know what is haq and what is justice. Haq means justice. And what once we know what is justice, we stopped as democracies and republics to stand upon it because of we are afraid of the woke culture. We are afraid of cancel culture. We are afraid of uh, uh, people who will try to stop us and say, you can't do that. You can't say that. Uh, I'm not one of those. We take those on too. That's good. That's good because that's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that that is as evil as an Al-Shabaab or an Al-Qaeda or an ISIS, but it's definitely a very, very destructive force that we've seen that we've seen the ramifications of it here in the States. And it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously it's getting worse. So all of that has to be, be battled and, and, you know, finding solutions uh, for some people seem hard because they don't they don't want to fight right they they don't want to fight they just want to be left alone they just want to sit back but those who just sit back and hope that it goes away will ultimately end up with the same fate right pretty much you can either appease the process or fight the process i chose to fight now how do i fight i can't pick up a gun i'm i'm a peaceful nonviolent person but i can fight in mind yeah 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 no and and that's you know that's the best way. Uh, obviously, nonviolent means uh, I think I think all sane people, right? All people of reasonable minds would say we we want everything to end uh, by peaceful means. And and if we can use modern pop culture and, and videos and and the the you know go where the uh, go where the young and impressionable minds are, as they would say. You know, like you have, and in, into the schools, into the uh, community centers, and and try to uh, affect the minds. You know, through education, because one of the things that I talk about often, Muhammad, and you know this as well as anybody, is none of this, none of this, this, this. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's, it's uh, from the Walt. The woke culture here in the United States to the death cults in uh, Syria and Iraq. None of that stuff succeeds without ignorance, mm-hmm. without without people finding ignorant, impressionable minds and then attacking those ignorant and impressionable minds with false propaganda. Well, the goal is to go ahead and fight it. Now, we say my mantra is it takes an idea to defeat an idea. Yes. So what ideas do we have we'll, between me, you, and everyone else here in America and every republic and every democracy? We value freedom. Mm-hmm. America. America. If you want to define America, it's not our wealth, it's not our military, it's not. It's freedom. Right. And what is this freedom then? Because everyone keeps on talking about freedom like as if it's a chattel. It's not a chattel, it's a concept. And the concept is an idea. And the idea is you will live free, I will live free, and both of us will live free together and build together society. 
Absolutely. That's, that's the value of America. That's what America has exported for the last 250 years. Right. Right. From the revolutionary people who are the founding fathers of this country to today, the president, the Congress, and the people who are in the soldiers and, and, and our spies, the CIA, the State Department. This is the predicament. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other issues too, greed and, uh, and opportunity and markets and things of those sort coming to play. But the main basis of America is freedom. Yes. So let's define what this freedom is. And that's what we went about as Afish Muhammad. So we said, okay, what are we going to do? Because again, it's not just the violent jihadists who are coming for us. We also have domestic terrorism coming for us. People who are basically copying from the violent jihadists, their playbook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You hear about people trying, like the lady in Maryland this week, trying to attack the, the grid system. You know, it's the yep. same stuff, same playbook. They want to hurt America. They want to hurt democracies. They want to hurt republics. Yeah, so and they what, do it through fear. They do it through fear. They do it through terror. Now, if you are able to be terrorized, guess what? They have won. Yes. Yep. Yep. Now, for freedom, for you to be free, you have to be brave. It says so in our national anthem, land of the free and the brave. Yep. No, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't come free. Uh, Freedom is not free. Freedom should not be wasted on those who won't stand up for it. And that may sound controversial, but uh, like you said, not every fight means fighting physically. Not every fight means picking up a gun. People need to stand up. They need to speak out. They need to, they need to, well, they, they need to do the same kind of things that you're doing. You know, that's, speak that's up, use know. a counter ideology, you know, mm-hmm. show people what it really means to be free. If you don't know what it means to be free, figure it out and then spread the word. That's the reason why I wrote the book, because I say, look, I'm a nobody, nobody. I'm a, I was a gas station manager. I'm a blue-collar worker. I'm a father of five kids now. Uh, I own a business. I make samosas. Uh, called Musa Samosa. Uh, I'm a political activist for the Republican Party as, as a political action committee. And I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm a nobody. Who says you, who is smarter than I am, tougher than I am, more resourced than I am, more educated than I am, what can you do? But most important, I- most important, Mohammed. You're an individual who cares. You're an individual who is standing up and saying what you believe. You're standing up for what you believe. And that's that that makes you more than a nobody. Yeah. Any anybody who says they're a nobody doesn't realize the power that one person can have because that that it it spreads like a mustard seed. You know, a mustard seed is one of the tiniest little things on the planet, but if given the opportunity grows into this massive, massive, big plant that, I mean, just can overtake large, large areas. And 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 movements like Average Muhammad and, and the, the counter ideology to this this death cult mentality or 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 all of the other things that are plaguing us as human beings, you know, that, that's perpetuated by those who wish to keep us divided. You know, it takes every individual. It takes an individual to stand up and say, hey, we have a job to do here. Hmm. In the words of uh, Ronald Reagan, freedom was not basically hunted down in the blood. So it basically has to be fought for in every generation. That's right. It has to be hunted down. This democracy we have, which we inherited, which I came to find in America and I came from Africa and it existed in some form or another in an African manner, uh, even in the tribal ways existed. uh, And I talk about it in the book. 
is something that basically must be handed down to the next generation. And now we're looking at it from a perspective whereby we're seeing the rise of theocrats from the fall of Afghanistan. We're seeing the rise of dictatorship uh, in Russia and other parts of the world. And we're seeing the rise of communism uh, basically yeah. becoming pre- prevalent, prevalent in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all things coming after our freedoms. Yeah, yeah. No, they are. And a lot of that comes from complacency. It comes from complacency. It comes from people just, you know, like I said, they just they just don't want to. They don't want to stand up. They think I'm a nobody. My voice doesn't matter. What can I do? What can I say? But the reality is, is we all have a voice. We all have a voice, and we need to use it. I try to explain to the kids. Look, the revolutionary fathers were nobodies. They were just people who were there. Someone Adams, uh, George Washington, you know, John Adams, uh, Benjamin Franklin. These were dignitaries. Yes, they were important men. Yes, some of them were nobodies. But at the end of the day, they ended up shaping a constitution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's right. Yeah, and they, they, they were the biggest they, power on earth at that time. Yeah. Well, and that's no. the thing is they they were they were young men. Um, you know, many of them in their in their late twenties and their thirties, uh, just just people who had an idea, and they 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 got together and they put their ideas together. They 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 had these great collaborative conversations and devised the greatest document to ever uh ever well the the greatest document that has ever been used to prov- provide for the most freedom loving most most prosperous nation that's ever been on the planet and uh i i think people lose sight of that that a lot of these guys i mean they're farmers and and and, and just young men who many of them just people who wanted to make a difference the oldest was george washington at the age of 44 for god's sake yeah yeah <laughs> think about it this was young men you know? Yeah, yeah, so, not, yeah so younger yeah, than you and I. <laughs> younger than you and I, exactly. So what, what happened is, what happened to our revolutionary zeal in America? This comfort we used to now, and uh, the whataboutism. What about, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't say that. We can't stand on this. We can't stand on that. We can't speak up on human rights. We can't speak up on democracy. We can't export it anymore because it's cultural imperialism. That is all BS, I say. I say people deserve freedom. Look, the humanity, everyone wants bread. The stomach needs bread. But the spirit, the spirit of the human race is one predicated on freedom. So America and as Americans and as people who live in democracies and republics have this freedom. Why should we sit on our laps and say, look, it's them. It's their culture. It's their way of doing things. Yeah, Uh, that's right. You know, because what happens is tomorrow, these people who we have governing us will borrow from them. Mm-hmm. It is coming home. So before yeah. it comes to my home, let me go to their home and change their ways. And how do we do that? We go that by doing an idea. We try to get their kids. We try to get the global community. My focus this year is Africa. And the reason why it's Africa, because Africa is now the epicenter. The epicenter with which theocrats which is either Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and other people are fighting for. Uh, dictatorship is running amok. At the same time, too, communism has made some inroads that is pushing away democracies. That's right. So my goal is to train a thousand other people like me to do exactly like I do, 
for the promotion of freedom. Right, right. Well, if you can scale that, uh, Muhammad, that's that's a that's a huge that's a huge undertaking. But but the results can be incredible. The enro- the results can be amazing because if you if you if you are able to recruit uh, a, a thousand other average Muhammads and they go out and each of them recruits a, a, a thousand or a hundred or a thousand average Muhammads, I mean, this this pretty soon it isn't just one guy in Minnesota calling himself a nobody. Pretty soon this is a global movement that can really change the hearts and minds of, of an awful lot of people. Well, the thing is, we already started the process. We already started with with the Middle East, northern Northern Africa region. We've already started with East Africa. I'm in talks with uh, uh, certain people in Kenya, Mozambique, Bamako, Mali, uh, to train people to do the same thing uh, through Zoom because uh, now some some of those places is pretty difficult to go to to go to because of uh, violent jihadism. At the same time, too, we are trying to promote this concept of. Uh, franchising this process. Now, mm-hmm. what took me nine years to learn, I can pack it in three weeks and educate people across the world to do so. And I did it uh, as, as a, because before I say I'm going to do it, first of all, I did a trial run. I do research and development. Mm-hmm. And I did it with, with a gentleman out of Morocco, working with IREX, an institution that basically works with the State Department, and uh, as a mentee. And it worked like a charm. And uh, the goal is to go ahead and say, look, uh, we can compete with disinformation campaigns being done by theocrats, communists and dictatorship, whether it's Russia or China or the the, the, Afga, the ISIS and Al-Qaeda of this world in promotion of democracy, people's power. Now, people's power means people's power. It is what Lincoln taught us. It is power of the people for the people by the people. So who is the people? It is not the people on top who are the people. These are our elite. We need them. This is our government. We need them. But the people who actually matter is the nobodies at the bottom. Yeah. Yep. We empower and franchise the nobodies of the world. Guess what? We've empowered every segment of our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's my that's my goal now. Basically, to take this revolutionary zeal, which is evolutionary, out into the world. Yeah. No, and it's so important. It's so important. And this book, I think, is so important because... It really, like I said, it, it it really shows people, you know, who you are, what you've done, how you've come to the mindset that you have, uh, the different things. And it's it's not just a, uh, it, it's, it, this is one of those books that it, you've got the solutions in there. You've got, you've got what you've done so far, what you plan to do next. There, there's just, there's so much value in this book, Muhammad. And, uh, and yeah, kudos to you for, for putting this together because it's, uh, it, it's definitely a story that needs to be told and, uh, you're, you're doing incredible work. Well, I'm trying and, uh, there's limitations. Uh, one of the limitations is national security paranoia. People named Muhammad, uh, we have a very limited commodity of trust and access to resources here in America. And, uh, that is a design by others, unfortunately. Uh, that's the decision they made. And the goal is to go ahead and say, look, uh, either you help us or get out of the way. You know, yeah. and that's, that's where we've reached that at this particular junction and at this particular point. is either you help us 
do our job as the people, for the people, by the people, or you get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And it's an act of vanity for me because yeah. uh, I believe that I can get allies and friends globally in this effort. I think you can. I Well, I, I know you can. And uh, I hope that you're joining me here on the Derate the Hate podcast. Gets you a few more, uh, few more people in your camp. Anything that we can do, anything we can do, Muhammad, to to spread this word, to to get more people on board, to to get the get the word out that, uh, well, what the old phrase is: all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And that 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 statement is is so true. And then I go go back to what I say all the time, you know, bettering the world one attitude at a time. It starts with each of us as individuals. Each of us as individuals, all we have to do is focus on us because our word or our leading by example as individuals will help other individuals to do the same thing. It spreads like wildfire. It's like that mustard seed. It, it starts with one little speck but it can turn into an incredible structure. And uh, I think people need to realize that. They need to remember that. If you start with you, it can go a lot further. Well, people told me at the beginning of this process, it is impossible what you're trying to achieve. And um, impossible is the word basically Mandela taught us is it's impossible until it is done, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, and you tell an American citizen that something is impossible is basically nonsense because we are Americans, and I wrote that in the book. It's a Mary, I can spell it A M E R, I can. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's, it's embedded in our DNA that we yeah. are the can do people, not the can excuse me and excuses is for suckers, you know. Uh, we don't right. have excuses. I mean, you can have all the excuses in the world. Oh, I'm a black man. They won't give me the same opportunity. Oh, I'm a Muslim. They won't. They won't. They won't accept my voice. Oh, I am bipolar. Uh, they'll say he's a crazy man speaking. Oh, I'm a Republican. They will shut down conservative voices in America because the mainstream media is mostly leaning to the left. Uh, oh, and this is all things which we say is is, is excuses. Well, that perpetual victim mentality has never gotten anybody anywhere. Uh, well, there's a few people that have made a hell of a lot of money on it. That, let's not <laughs> lie. Uh, there's there's a few people uh, that, that have made a lot of money on it. And then there's a lot of people that perpetuate and, and promote that perpetual victim mentality in order to keep us separated. But yeah, anybody with that truly has and suffers from that perpetual victim mentality will generally get nowhere. And uh, yeah, so important. Most people oh. don't don't see the blessing that America is. And That's I, right. That's right. America, they don't. America is a promise. It's a mm-hmm. promise to every immigrant and everybody who lives on this land, who breathes this air of the American race. And I say American race. American race is one in which there's no identity. Right. It isn't the white person. It isn't the black person. It isn't the brown person, the Asian. It isn't the native. It's all of us. Yeah, it was. It's it's an idea, and and, and as long as you ascribe to that idea, uh, the, the problem is 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 hopefully, uh, hopefully people wake up to the fact that you can only take advantage of that uh, for so long before you have to stand up and fight for it. Because if you don't, it's going to go away. It, it it I mean, it, it, it's a fact. If if people do not uh, stand up and and fight, and I don't mean physically, and I hope it never comes to that. But this idea of ours 
this this thing of ours, this this American idea, uh, will only will only hold for so long if, if people aren't standing up for it. We have to, time to time, water the roots of this revolutionary zeal of our American ideals. Mm-hmm. No, that's there's right. A of, there's a lot of work to be done right here in America and across the world. That's right. All right, Mohammed, tell me, uh, tell me in the DTH listeners, where can people find the book? Uh, it's it's a great book, 140 pages. It's uh, it's a good read. It's a quick read. So much value in that book. So much important stuff to help people get an idea of how they can uh, can be part of this fight. Uh, freedom fighter, average Muhammad freedom fighter. Where do they get the book? And uh, it's on all retailers. When I say all retailers, it's on all retailers: Amazon, Walmart, uh, Barnes and Nobles, thrift books. Uh, you can get it online. Google the word "average Muhammad freedom fighter." The book you can get it either in hard casing or paperback or even e ebook. Uh, I would recommend you read it. It's a little bit controversial, uh, but it's an honest appraisal. A tell-all book, a memoir of my work so far, and uh, let me just say we're just starting this process. And uh, by God's grace, we are here. And as long as we are here, and as long as we are breathing, we say, as we say from the African diaspora, and I'm an immigrant of Africa, aluta continua. Aluta continua is, is is the sign and the symbol of those who fought for democracy in South Africa. It means the struggle continues. Yes. And I'm telling you Americans, and I'm telling you people who live in democracies and republics across the world. Well, the it, struggle does continue, my brother. And yeah. uh, it, it's because of people like you out there working to make the world a better place. The struggle will continue, but the struggle will be won. And uh, and I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. So grateful to have you here on the D-Rate the Hate podcast again. And uh, I'll be looking forward to the next time. Thank you so much, sir. Friends, if there's anything in this episode that provided exceptional value to you, please make sure to hit that share button. Share it with your friends, share it far and wide. And of course, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe right from our website so you can get the D-Rate the Hate podcast sent to your email inbox every week. So this is Wilk wrapping up for the week saying get out there, be kind to one another, be grateful for everything that you've got, and remember it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. If there is something that you would like to share with me, you can catch me on most social media platforms or you can email me directly, wilk at wilksworld.com. With that, my friends, I am going to back on out of here and we will catch you next week. Take care.